At Our Father's House, our prayer is that you will be blessed and strengthened by the power of Jesus Christ. We would like to thank you for joining us today as we study God's Word. It's good to have my wife and my kids with me, Ash and Seth. And man, they're just, uh, I tell you what, my, my poor wife, I, I love her so much. If people prayed for as much as they say they're praying for her because she's married to me, I told her, I said, you don't even have to pray. You just quit praying. Just do something else with your time. Every time somebody meets her, you're married to Joe. Honey, I'm praying for you. I don't know what that means, but uh, I just love them. I appreciate them. My kids are, they're so much fun to be around. They're hilarious, and they love the Lord, and they are so sensitive to the Spirit, and we've been working with them, trying to figure out. You know, at a very young age, they're really, they're really feeling the prophetic in their life, and you know that's, uh, it's hard to deal with when you don't know, when you don't know what that is, and you're overwhelmed by all these feelings and emotions and, and sensitive to the spirit. So uh, we just, just pray for us, okay? And pray for me. I'm, I'm just kind of in a transition period in my life right now. I'm ready to, I'm just ready to do whatever the Lord wants me to do, and I'm. I'm open to anything. I don't care what it is, where it is, what it is. I don't put any stipulations or limitations on God. I would just, if he says go, I'm gone. If he says stay, I stay. I, it just don't matter to me. So I don't know how, I just know him. Amen? Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, turn to uh, Psalm chapter 42. And uh, just excited about uh, you guys' building, uh, you know, don't let the, I never forget I was in uh, I was in Guatemala and I never forget something Dale Yurton Dale Yurton said when I was there. He took his shoe off. He said, "Don't let the size of the shoe determine how big the foot grows." That's just a building. That's all it is. I mean, I like building buildings. I, I just you know that's fine, but that's that building can't hold God. Your influence is how big your church is. Whether you got 50 people or 5,000 people, what kind of influence do you have in your community? And if all you have is a building and a church, you just got a building and a church. I mean, that's all it is. If you're not reaching this community, just tear the building down. Amen? Amen. Amen. Is that hard to hear or... It's just the truth, isn't it? That's the reason our country is in the shape that's in because we've came in the doors and hid in here while our communities have went to hell. We don't even know if our neighbors are, are even know the Lord. We go home, we hit the garage or open and pull in, shut it and go inside and our life goes on. We don't know there are people next door to us. Their life is in an absolute mess because we haven't taken five minutes to walk across the street and love on somebody. Amen? And that's the truth. It is the truth. So uh, I want to encourage you. I, I don't think that's the case here. And if it is, then just stop it. <laughs> I don't know what else to tell you. I never remember my stepdad said, there's a solution to every problem. If you got a drug problem, quit just quit doing drugs. You know, if you got a sin problem, just stop it. You know? If you, whatever it is, if you're bleeding, you got to stop the bleeding, right? 
So whatever that is, God is the solution for it, okay? But amen. Psalm chapter 42. Appreciate you guys sitting in the floor. I, I couldn't do that. I'm, I'm, I would, I'd have to have help. I couldn't get up. But God bless you. You all have a place to sit. And hopefully you'll have to sit in the floor again. When you get a little older, you can sit up here. But when you're sitting up here, you're still hurting. So you're honestly better off there. I, I, I'm serious. All right. Psalm chapter 42. You there? Say amen. Amen. Let me find where I'm at here because I just bought a new parallel Bible here. For the choir director, this is a psalm of the descendants of Korah. As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for you, the living God. When can I go and stand before him? Day and night have only tears for food while my enemies continually taunt me saying, where is this God of yours? My heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. I walked among the crowds of worshipers, leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks amid the sound of a great celebration. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise Him again, my Savior and my God. Now I am deeply discouraged, but I remember you. Even from distant Mount Hermon, the source of the Jordan, from the land of Mount Mazar, I hear the tumult of the raging seas, and your waves and surging tides sweep over me. But each day the Lord pours His unfailing love upon me. And through each night I sing His songs, praying to God who gives me life. O oh God, my rock, I cry, why have you forgotten me? Why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by my enemies? Their taunts break my bones. They scoff, where is this God of yours? Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise Him again, my Savior and my God. I want to speak on longing for God this morning. And, and if you wouldn't mind, I really need your prayers. Amen. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father, we need you today, God. Lord, we need your anointing. Father, I just pray that you would just speak to our hearts today. Speak to us what it means to long for you, God. To, to, to desire you, Father, like we are supposed to, Father. We just pray that you would begin a work here today that would continue until you return. And Father, we ask it all in the name of Jesus. Everybody says amen. Now David, of course, wrote this psalm and he writes this psalm while he's in Jordan. He's a great way from the courts or the, the tabernacle of the Lord. He was in a forced absence from the Ark of the Covenant. Many said he was fleeing from Saul and the, the presence of God. And he literally, he wept for it. It is said he was more likely fleeing from his life while he was there. And you know, sometimes God teaches us to know the worth of his mercies by the want of them. You don't know what it means to, to need mercy until you're in a place where you need mercy. You know, we are apt to, to hoard up manna when there's plenty of it, but it will be very precious to us if we ever come to know the scarcity of it. You don't long for something that that you have an abundance of necessarily. You don't, you don't necessarily uh, pant for water when you aren't even thirsty. So sometimes God puts us in a place of longing, in a place where that, 
that we can begin to, to be hungry and to be thirsty. The, the problem is in the American church, this doctrine has creeped in that is taught that there is no suffering in, in the Christian life. There, there is no hardships and there is no want and there is no lack and, and, and all of that is, is simply a lie. There are going to be times in your life where that you are going to be in a place that you literally ache for the presence of God. You're going to be put in a place where you have no other choice but to depend upon God because everything else you put your trust in has been stripped away from you. Your health is failing. You've lost your job. Your marriage is on the rocks. And you've done everything that you know to do. But something inside of you begins to ache and begins to long as David did for the presence of God. Not the feeling of God being around, but the person of God. See, the problem is we have, we have created this, this, I don't know, this persona in the church that we've made the presence of God about a feeling, about an emotion, about an experience, but the presence of God is simply what he brings with him in his personhood. Amen? You see, when, when I'm away from my wife, I long to be in her presence. From the moment that God spoke to me and told me that she was the one I was to marry, I can't go more than a few minutes, Odie, without wanting to be where I can talk to her and touch her. And, and if we're home and she's in the other room too long, I go looking for her because I don't want just the feeling I get when I'm around her. I want to look at her. I want to talk to her. I want to, I want to ex experience what it is to be with her. You see, before the psalmist went on to establish all the doubts and all the fears and the grief that he had, he set his heart on God. He said, my heart pants for you as a deer that pants for the water books. David understood this because he literally lived in the wild as a shepherd. He was put out there to die by his family and he knew what it was like to long for God. He didn't have anybody else. If you were here and heard my sermon on who's your daddy, if you haven't, you need to listen to it. On what David, when, when you understand the context of what David writes about God and understood that it was written out of a heart of brokenness and rejection and abandonment, out of a man that learned what it meant to worship God without music, without lights and without drums, but all alone out in the wilderness when animals were trying to consume him and he had nobody else to affirm him. He had nothing but God. Would to God we would get to that place in our life or that we long to be with him in his presence. Before David goes through his list of all the problems he has, he says, I thirst for you, God, the living God. He's not a dead God. He's not a God that you buy and put on a shelf. He's alive today. That means that he has emotions and feelings and senses like you. You were made in his image. God longs also to be with you, to experience you, to know how you, the Bible says he's touched with the feelings. God experiences feelings. He experiences joy. 
anger, happiness, sadness, all the things you experience. God wants to experience those things with you. When you're broken hearted, God the Holy Spirit is broken hearted with you. And he walks with you through those things. That's what I love about God, Hody. I love that, that God didn't stay in heaven and tell us how to do it. He came down and he became it to solve our problems. Oh, that's what I what other What other religion has that? What other religion even dares to, to speak about a God that would leave heaven and come down and live like you and I and die on a sinner's cross for us? Oh, I love that about God. I love that about God. You see, notice he doesn't pant for the ordinances of God, but the God of the ordinances. He didn't long for the music or all the other things that happened during his time in the tabernacle. He longed for God himself. True worship is not an event. David longed for God even in captivity, even when he couldn't be in church, even when there was no music. Not only that, he was in a place surrounded by his enemies, We've made God's presence the place to go for all the goodies. Now stop me if I'm wrong, but how many times have you heard this and I've done it? Come on, let's praise God. He's going to do something. Come on, let's worship God a little harder. He wants to do something for you. God spoke to me one day. He said, is it okay if I come and do nothing? Can I come and just be there? When we got married, me and my wife, I lived in the same holler my whole life. And when I moved to London, I bet we moved eight or nine times. Every time I moved, I lost friends. The, the phone list of people that would help me move got shorter and shorter. The last time I hired somebody, I said, you all do it all. And keep my stuff in storage so I'm ready for it. Why? There was nobody else left that had a good enough back to help me move. So how do you think God feels when all we do is use worship as a way to manipulate him and get all the goodies? Every time we come in, we come in with the the object, the, 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 the goal of I'm going to praise God, but in the back of my mind, I have an ulterior motive. I just want you to do something for me. You know, I haven't prayed this week, and God forbid if I read my Bible, but God, because my hands are lifted up and I shake a little bit, I want you to fix all my problems. But what would happen if we begin to long for God just for God? <laughs> even if he never done anything for you, even if you died of that disease that you have, but you longed for him just to be with him, not to have your problems solved or your job back or your anything back, just God for God. Our worship is turned into nothing more than a means to an end. Just a way to manipulate God into doing us favors. Worship is not what you do. It's who you are. Amen. Hallelujah. When was the last time 
You stood in your house with nobody around and lifted your hands and worshipped him. When was the last time that at work you had to get off somewhere by yourself because you were so moved in your spirit from the longing just to be with God? When was the last time that you weren't even capable of holding a conversation with somebody because inside of you all you could think of was I gotta be with him. If I could just touch him, if I could just be in his presence and look upon his face one more time, we need to get to the point that we are absolutely worthless to this world because we are so focused on God. Oh God, help me preach this book. Help me, God. Our sincerity of worship is often related to our mood or our circumstances. We come in, we're in a good mood. Everything's going good. We have a red hot service. Completed with somersaults and a back half spring off to otter. Everything's good. But you let something mess up our little world. You let something not go our way. And we come in here, we sit down with our arms folded. Not only that, we do it at home. We don't want to worship God. All we want to do is complain and murmur. Let me tell you something. Every time your heart is beating since we've been in here today, he did that. Every breath that you breathe since we've been in this building, my father gave you that. What more does he have to do to show you that he loves you? Oh, thank you, Father. But not David. David wasn't like that. David was, he was somebody that understood rejection and abandonment. He knew loneliness and heartache like no other. He knows what the heart of worship is. He is literally, after all, after God's heart. I've heard that scripture taken out of context my whole life. Well, David was like God. The Bible didn't say that. The Bible says he was after God's heart. What doesn't mean David was like God? We're all made in the image of God. David was literally pursuing the heart of God. I'm after the heart of God. He was courting God. He pursued God. He set his love and affection on God in loneliness and despair and good times and bad times. He set his heart on God. He was after God's heart. He didn't just want the goodies. He didn't just want the position. He wanted God. He wanted God's heart. He wanted to know how God God felt. He wanted to know when God breathed and when he sighed and, and what God felt he wanted to experience. Mm. He was after God's heart. Are you after his heart this morning? David is pursuing God as you would the love of your life. He's courting God to win his love. He's pouring out his love on God. The sole purpose of obtaining God himself. Nothing else. You see, before you see David as king, why do you think God would take a king? Why would you think he would take somebody out of a shepherd's field that's been rejection, rejected and abandoned and despised by everybody? Why would God take somebody like that and set them up as king? Because that's what God's looking for when he's looking for somebody he can use. God doesn't care about your abilities or your education. I've met a lot of people that's been educated beyond their intelligence, honey. I, you know, you start out dumb and you get smart, but if it keeps going, you get dumb again. You know, people like that. God isn't looking for that. He's looking for somebody that's after his heart. Not like God, after God. 
There's some of you in here today that think you've already disqualified yourself. You've already said, I don't have what it takes. I can never do this and that. But you got a heart after God. Hallelujah. David longed, longed for God to be with him. Today we're literally worshiping worship. We're programmed to obtain a certain response from our participation in worship or we feel like we've fallen short. We come away from the event of worship with, without obtaining the goodies and we count it as a failure. We've all been there, haven't we? When the service doesn't reach the anticipated level of emotional whatever you want to call it, Somebody's got to get in a bull pit, pulpit and beat up on you. What's wrong with you? Boy, last night we really had it. What's the matter with you all tonight? You don't want to pray? You know what? No, I don't feel fantastic every day. Don't expect me to run and shout like I used to. I am not physically able to do that. I can't do it. God wants me to do it, bring it on. But unless he makes me, I'm done. Can't do it, Stephen. I'm so fat now, if I tried to run up the wall, I would make a hole in the drywall. If y'all don't know that, I used to do crazy stuff like that. I have hit my back on the ceiling. I can't do that no more. I don't want to do that no more. God don't want me to do that no more. I'm not sure he ever wanted me to do that. But when I got saved, I didn't know what to do with myself, Curtis. You took a man that was lost and going to hell and in one moment, in one counter with God, he completely turned my world upside down. And I just don't know about you, I still ain't got over it. I remember when I got saved, I was so excited to die. I said, man, I wish I could die right now. I'm so excited to die. God, I want to be where you are. I just long to be in your presence because before that, I was terrified to go to sleep at night. I was terrified that I'd die and go to hell. But when Jesus came into my life, I said, God, I'm ready to go. Oh, man. Now, Praise the Lord. Let me drink water. Are y'all with me? How much time I got left? I don't say that. All right. David thirsts for a living God. Living souls can never take rest in anything short of a living God. Worship is so powerful. Because it can only be done by created beings. We are the only beings that can give God true worship. We are the only thing created that can choose to set our love and affections on God. The trees do it. The Bible says they clap their hands to the Lord. The animals do it. Angels do it out of duty. We do it out of love. But why are angels so fascinated by man's salvation. The most likely explanation is that they're amazed and astonished by the way that God solved the problem of sin. The cross was the means by which God provided His Son as a righteous substitute to pay the penalty for sin 
while upholding his holy standard. Peter literally said that they looked with amazement at the redemption of any human being that will repent of their sins and put their trust in Jesus as Savior. The Bible tells us that such fascination goes on in heaven. The apostle Peter pulled back the curtain and let us peek in a little bit. And he said the angels that were gazing at God's plan of redemption. The Bible said that they, they've seen things which angels desire to look into. That Greek word look into literally means to stoop and look with curiosity. They don't understand it. You don't understand the privilege that you've been given to have a heart that can go after God. They never understand it. They look and they're that part of that great cloud of witnesses and they look with curiosity. Have you ever seen somebody look trying to figure something out especially tourists? I used to do it all the time. I'd just walk in somewhere and start looking. Then everybody else start looking. I'd walk away. <laughs> I just love messing with people. <laughs> but they don't understand what you have. You don't know the privilege it is to be able to have a heart that can go after God. I got one more and I'm done. And Jacob, this is for you. If this sermon wasn't for anybody else today, it's for you. God began to show me that this was you earlier. This is a psalm of David regarding a time when David was also still in the wilderness of Judah. He said, Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. Guys, there's a difference between searching and singing. There's a difference between searching and, and just feeling Lord, I search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. I seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you with songs of joy. Jacob, this is you. I lie awake thinking of you. Meditating on you through the night because you're my helper. I sing for joy in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your strong right hand holds me securely. But those plotting to destroy me, they'll come to ruin They'll go down into the depths of the earth. They will die by the sword and become the food of jackals. Thank you, Jesus. But the king will rejoice in God. All who trust in him will praise him while liars will be silenced. Jacob, when I was standing over here during worship earlier, that scripture came to my mind and I could see you laying in bed at night. And I could see your heart longing, just longing for God. Just God for God. And I want you to know something, brother. I believe God's calling you because he's seen you, your heart for God and how you long for God and how you literally ache for God. And people don't even know that about you. They don't fully understand that about you. But God sees that and God takes joy in that. And God wants you to know he wants you to come a little closer. And God wants you to know that he wants to do something great in your life. That you're getting ready to take another step 
say it because after all, that's the job requirements. That's the resume God's looking for. God doesn't care about your ability, but your availability. God wants to know you. God wants you. God wants you. God wants you to want him. This has to be reciprocated, Pastor. This has to be reciprocated. Are you longing for God today? Do you ache, literally ache, to be with Him? Not to be in church. That's part of it. I hope y'all don't misunderstand what I'm saying when I say this stuff. But you got to understand, I have preached in literally hundreds of churches. I've preached in Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian, Episcopal Methodist, I don't even know what that is. They did something funny with the money and they took the offer and they threw it up and I don't even know what was going on. I preached in a Presbyterian church. I'm not kidding you. Over 100 years old, made out of hand-hewn white oak logs. And the pastor asked me to do communion with him after service. So he had me hold a little goblet of wine. Grossest thing I've ever seen in my life. I'm sitting there holding it, and they, he holds a thing of bread. Everybody comes up, breaks off a piece of bread, dips it in the wine, and eats it. And I'm sitting there going... That's, that's gross. Because you remember, I'm up here and I see everything going on. So I see all this and this. And then I see you do this. And I'm like, this is not of God. There is no way this is of God. I've seen it all, Okay. I've seen it all. That's why I say this. That's why I, I, I tell you that it's not just about coming to church because I see people going through the motions and the same thing happened with the tabernacle. Oh, I sinned. Better get me a lamb. Well, that one's not exactly pure, but it'll do. I'll give God not my best, but whatever's left. You know, I've goofed around all week and I'll come to church and eh, we'll see what happens. It's not about what happens here. It's about what's going on in your heart. That's why I say that. That's why the Lord told me, stop going and preaching everywhere just because they ask you to preach. Go where you have relationships. That's why I'm here this morning. That's why I'll be in Hazard tonight because I have a relationship with these churches and with these people. I don't go just anywhere when the phone rings. I won't come. Don't ask me to come preach a revival. I want to hear from the Lord, Odie. Imagine that. I want to ask God if I'm supposed to come. When did we get away from that? How many times did the phone ring and I go and I'm sitting in service and before the service starts, the Lord said, what are you doing here? Uh, well, I'm a preacher and they asked me to preach. The Lord said, you didn't ask me. I was like, uh-oh. I'm already here, God. What do you want me to do now? He said, cut it out. I, that don't sound spiritual though, does it? No, we got to go somewhere. We got to preach all the time. We're in church so much, we never see lost people. We'll say amen or owe me one. Is that right? I realized a few years back, I told my wife, I said, We don't have any lost friends. How are we going to win anybody to the Lord if we never even talk to lost people? So we started fasting and praying for our neighbor. I said, well, it's on us. If our neighbors go to hell, it's our fault. So we started fasting. Ernie, you remember that fast we went on? 
We were fasting for our neighbor. Fasting, praying for him. He called me one day. He said, I was coming back from Hazard and just something come in my vehicle. And I started weeping and crying. I couldn't stop. And I come home and I just dove in the floor. And I gave my heart to Jesus. I said, let me tell you something. You don't know it. I've been fasting for 21 days for you. That you give your life to Jesus. And he came to know the Lord. Let me tell you something. That's what God wants. That's what God wants. How many neighbors live around you? It's going to go to hell while you're in here doing your little dance and falling around and getting all caught up in the lies. You don't just feel like it. Worshiping today will just get over it. I don't live here, so I'm leaving today, so I'm just going to hit you and run. Sorry, Pastor. Just mop up after me when I'm done. If they'll come to the music, I'm done. I really am. I'm just talking to you from my heart tonight. What are you talking about? I'm talking about longing for God. Well, maybe you don't long for God. We've all been there, don't we? Haven't we? You just get caught up in life, caught up in work and school and kids and the next thing you know, you know, you're, you're not longing for God. You're not passionate for His presence or just to be with Him, just to, to know Him, just to experience Him. You're doing this, this thing in life, and you, you've, you've lost focus. We've all done that. And if you, if you haven't done that yet, you, you probably will because you're human just like we are. Amen? Anybody here not human? I never really get a lot of hands when I ask that. We're all human, ain't we? We've all got flesh, and we've all got a sin nature, and we all do goofy stuff, and we all mess up, and we all blow it, and we fail, and we do things that 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 we're ashamed of, and we dishonor God, and we do all, all, all of us do that. We all do that. What I want to encourage you to do as a church and encourage you to do as an individual is do what David did. Even if you're in a, a point in your life, like, like, like Karen was saying earlier, God wants you to change your focus. Do you know whatever you focus on gets bigger? Do you ever notice that? You'll be walking by the mirror and you're getting ready to go somewhere and you'll spot a zit. Hey, God, you walk back over there, and next thing you know, it looks like, like it's got a face. And then your wife gets a hold of it. And by the time you leave the house, it looks like the exit wound of a 38 hollow point slug. <laughs> You've been there? Started out, just had a, just a little zit right here. By the time you leave the house, I'm, you walk in, people like, whoa! Why? Because you got so hung up on that, so focused on it, what you focus on gets bigger. If you're focusing on your problems today, they're going to get so big that you're not going to see any way around. David was in a forced absence from the presence of God. He was surrounded by people who said, Hey, buddy, where's your God at now? I thought you were believing for healing. Looks like you're getting sicker to me. You preaching faith. What do you mean you don't have gas in your car to get home? Where's your God at now? They said, man, my heart pants for him. When can I come, God, and be stand before? You know the great thing today? David longed to be in the tabernacle with God and all of that. We are the tabernacle of God. 
if you want to be with God, all you got to do is look inside. All you got to do is, he lives inside of you if you know him. If you're truly his, you've got a spirit. You're his child. If you're not his today, you can fix that too. Do you long to be with God? Maybe you don't know what it is. You're miserable. You're miserable. You can't sleep at night. You're disgusted at yourself. You hate what you see in the mirror. You hate the person you become. Sin will do that to you. God's dealing with your heart. God's wooing you with his spirit. And you know what you got to do. Like I said earlier, there's a solution to every problem. If you're a sinner, you got to stop sinning. Well, how do you do that? You got to repent of your sin. What does that mean? It means to have a change of mind and character. That means to stop sinning. That means if you're committing adultery, you stop committing adultery. That means if you're stealing, you stop stealing. If you're lying, you stop lying. But you put your trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and he will cleanse you from all of your sin and unrighteousness. That's how that works. Jesus didn't promise you a better life. That's another lie that's being preached in the, in the church today. If you were called to preach a sermon on September the 10th, 2001, on the 100th floor of the World Trade Center, what would you tell them? Oh, Jesus loves you. He's got a great plan for your life. He wants to give you joy, peace, and love, and hope. You've got this God-shaped hope in your heart, and only God can feel that He wants you to be happy. But what was God's plan for their life? The next day, some of them leapt, earning a hundred stories to their death. Some of them were burned alive. What they need to hear is, you've got to flee the wrath that is to come. The wrath of God abides on the children of disobedience. You've broken God's commands. God hates sin, folks. Not Christian. Not, 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 God's not okay with people that pray to prayer and sin. All liars will have their part in the lake of fire. All drunkards. All fornicators. All adulterers. All of them. All means all. Whether you pray to prayer or went to Sunday school or not, we're all going to stand before a holy just God. And he's going to give us what we justly deserve. But the good news, oh man, and there is good news. It's called the gospel. Somebody paid you fine. Now God can legally dismiss your case because somebody paid for it. Because a judge demands justice and payment for penalty. See, the thing you think is going to save you on the day of judgment, God's goodness it's going to be the very thing that's going to send you to hell. Because a just God and a just judge and a holy judge can't overlook wrongdoing. That's a corrupt judge. What do you think about a judge that takes bribes and let murderers and child molesters go free? They're, they're not just. They're not good. They're corrupt. And God is not corrupt. He is perfect and holy and righteous and everything good. And because of that, when you stand before him with sin in your life and you rejected the payment that he paid for that sin, he has no other recourse but to give you what you justly deserve and that's hell. And that's the truth that a lot of people don't have the guts to tell you. That's the truth. You better escape the wrath of God that's coming on your life. Are you trying to scare me? Well, you better be scared. 
Your worst nightmare doesn't compare to when you stand before God. It doesn't compare to a million lightning bolts going off all around you. When you stand trembling for a holy, righteous, and merciful God that knows that he did everything in his power to redeem you, but you are so full of yourself, you went your own way, and you're going to get just what you deserve. As a tree falls, so shall it lie. Who am I talking to this morning? Who am I talking to this morning? Who are you that needs to hear this? Who needs to make things right with God this morning? Well, I think I'm okay. Don't think so. No, so. I might be all right. This ain't a my kind of thing. This is for keeps. So here's what I want you to do. Every head up and look around if you want to. If you're here today and that's for you, begin to call out to God. Cry out to Him. Oh, God, I'm sorry. Oh, look what I did with my life. You gave me life and breath. Every heartbeat and all I've done is curse you. I've used your name as a curse word. I went my own way. I didn't acknowledge you at all, God. But now I long for you. My heart pants for you. I know that you're the way, the truth, and the life. I know that I know that I know that I know because your spirit has been talking to somebody this morning. Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? It needs to hear this. Make it right today. Hear me? If you need us to help you pray, we'll pray with you. All you got to do is surrender. The night I got saved, I'll never forget it, Kurt. I was sitting there in a little single-eyed trailer in Cold Iron, Kentucky. Man, I was so miserable. God was dealing with me. The devil was telling me I was 19, almost 20. You can't live it, man. You're going to lose all your friends. You can't quit getting high. You can't do it, man. All of a sudden, the glory of God came all over me. And God spoke to me, and he said, ask these people to pray with you. Because I didn't know how to pray. And I looked... Margie Lee was said I was glowing like a light. And she said, do you want to pray? And when she did, I just fell. I just fell on my face in the floor. I didn't know what to say. But I, I gave my life to Jesus. I surrendered it all to Him. Tonight, oh God, I don't know who today, who am I talking to? I'm talking to somebody. Who am I talking to? Who? If you don't respond today and you die and go to hell, this sermon will echo for over and over and over and over and over throughout eternity. You know you rejected God. Just surrender. Everybody on your feet. Nobody looking around. Nobody running out. Let's take a, a moment right now. Let's just take a moment. 
and set our affections on the Father. Can we do that? Don't ask Him for anything. Don't ask Him to fix your problems. Don't ask Him to solve all your problems. Don't ask Him for anything. Love Him because He's God. Can we do that as they play and sing? Come on. Father, I long for you. We thirst for you, God. Oh, God, we pant for you. You, not your stuff, not the miracles, not food and raiment, not jobs and cars. You, you, God. If you would like to know more about Our Father's House and upcoming events, log on to ourfathershouseky.org.